Devin and Morgana and Morgana are in by getting married a hundred times in a hundred countries. They believe grown-up love gets better and more fun, especially for women. Everyone's smarter, wiser, men are more relationship ready, and if they're not, it's obvious. Forget anything you were told about being too old or too late for love and adventure. Instead, get fresh new tips on dating, relating, and travel to exotic destinations. And best of all, call in for personal guidance, creating crazy, sexy, midlife love in your life. Hello, welcome to Crazy Sexy Midlife Love. My name is Morgana, and this is my husband, Devin. Thank you for being here. Mm, thank you for being here. I was talking to them. Oh, yes. Thank you for being here. Yes, our audience is actually really important. You are too. But I come in like a close third or fourth. Like That's right. I'm the solidly in the top 10. You are solidly in the top 10. <laughs> so what's been going on since our last episode, my love? Um. Uh, that's a great question. We got back from Mexico, feeling refreshed, getting things done, back in action. The universe is starting to feel like things are getting back to to normal, mm-hmm. at least in Southern California, where we're based. Yeah. Um, I think generally, you know, when I go out, people seem to be a little bit less skittish, shall we say, um, which is all good stuff, yeah. which is all good stuff. And Well, my favorite thing is... We had our first in-person group West Coast swing class since I think the first week of March 2020. And I forgot like how happy that makes me. In fact, it makes me so happy that I danced for three hours before I realized that I had my shoes on the wrong feet, which explained why my balance was oddly off during turns but uh (laughs) the great thing about like this phase of life is you know you notice it and who knows who else noticed it fortunately most people are too self-absorbed to notice stuff like that and there's just you know it might have mortified me when I was younger and now it's like oh so, so okay, so this does, in fact, beg the question, how does that even happen unless you're four? <laughs> I can't answer Crazy you. toddler. I, uh, I think I was just so excited that I, I can't answer that. I have no idea how I did that. Yeah, that's, that's showing a, a measure of enthusiasm that doesn't quite make sense. But I'm glad. I mean, I hope you don't have to see a podiatrist after this well and this our, experience. Our teacher must have noticed, but didn't say anything. By the way, by the way, our teacher Ben Morris was the teacher of that class. Google it. Google Ben Morris, Jack and Jill. Oh my God. He's yeah, no, amazing. He's a, he is in fact <sighs> he's an outrageously good dancer. He praised our open, like our open position, our like post anchor position, you know, he said, get into an anchor position. And he pointed us out. And I am, as my husband said, four years old, and I am still like high as a kite on that freight on that little itty bitty drop of praise. 
Whoa. Yeah, I don't even remember it happening. <laughs> That's why it's my job. I know. I'm glad, that, I'm glad that you're enthusiastic I, and it was ooh. fun to get out. It was fun I got to a star and a happy face, you know? That's all that really matters, mm-hmm. isn't it? Yes. So, yeah, so maybe your shoes were on the wrong feet for good reasons. And the funny thing about being happy in love is you start seeing happy love everywhere that I didn't see during my long wandering in the desert wasteland of singlehood. By the way, a lot of great things about singlehood, and I'm glad I lived it fully so that I could appreciate what I have. But, oh my God, I just keep meeting people who met at midlife who are really super happy. Like I think dancers, any and Alan, I want to invite them on this show. And I was on a podcast being interviewed recently, a podcast called uh, Insights to Live By. And I liked the host so much. And what I really liked about the host is how in love with his wife he is. And they met in midlife. And he says they haven't had an argument in five years. How did that how like, does that happen? I don't know. But do like, we have some? Are they okay? Is- are they alive? Like that's just um <laughs> we'll have to ask him about that. So he is today's guest, because even now, even you know, what nine years into this relationship with Devin, I mean, men are still like this fascinating mystery. So I I love to hear about how they fall in love. So we we have that opportunity now, right? We have that opportunity. Uh, I see that he is in the waiting room. So I'm just going to briefly introduce him and then we'll bring him in. So let me tell you about Matt. Matt Zinman is a difference maker, an optimist, an author, a podcast host, obviously, and a nonprofit founder and well-being advocate. And he is the author of Zisms, Insights to Live By. Welcome. Welcome, Matt. It is wonderful to be with you. Thank you, Morgana. Hi, Devin. Hey, man. Matt, meet Devin. Devin, meet Matt. Yes. So let's dive into like the good stuff that I want to know first. Okay. How did you meet your wife and how did you know she was the one? Ah, so my wife's name is Erica and she is uh, a certified health coach. We met on Match. And uh, it's interesting. I, you know, through the years, I'd actually done, uh, you know, used Match and, and related services uh, to, you know, people I've met prior to Erica. But it was her first time. Somebody had kind of put her up to it. And she, I think, received in her first uh, weekend about three to four hundred responses and she decided to go on her first date with me uh, because I actually read her profile it wasn't like hey baby you know love your smile or any of that which she described as the typical what she got um I, I expressed interest you are hot <laughs> yeah right so that got me the date and uh and you know she truly love at first sight um she's a single mom as well and at the time obviously we're we're, we're now married um, and uh, she's daughter Greta, who's now 16. My son Jake is turning 21 soon. And Greta was, um, she, it was an afternoon date, which was so unusual. 
it's like, okay, we have like this three hour window. What do I do for an afternoon date? So we went chip and putt. And, uh, and then we went out for, uh, you know, to, to have a nice outdoor meal and, you know, I had a flower for her afterwards. It was a contingency flower. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> but uh, what does that mean? Well, if the date didn't go well, there's no flower to give. Oh, right. so you gave her this rose for the and next date. Tucked away. So, yeah, so we, we had the, the whole course to ourselves. And, uh, you know, by whole three, I think we were in love. It was just, you know, we kind of knew. It really was one of those things. So, but, so I have to interrupt when you say you knew, and I'm sure she was in love as well. And sometimes those things happen. I think it's fantastic. How did you know? I mean, was it literally like, up? Oh, I saw her shoulder. There was a movement in her face or something. What was the thing that was like, oh my God, I'm in trouble. Cause you'd obviously been single before and right. you know, that didn't happen before. What was the thing? So, in thinking about it, uh, you know, we certainly had a little bit of ex- of an exchange prior to the to the date that was favorable. I mean, my wife's, you know, she's beautiful. And so I certainly had a very strong attraction and um, we just hit it off right away. You know, I you know, to your question, Devin, you know, I, and, and coming into the conversation here, I realized like I, I've had seven long term relationships seven committed relationships in my life you know like you know what is that well you know there were more than a few sleepovers we went vacations together and things it wasn't all that we were you know i think when you're like going on typical like getaways and vacations together or meeting families over and, and then over a period of time that qualifies lots of infatuations and uh multiple dates before that but she you know seven's my number and but but the reality is is that having had all that experience through all those other relationships, you certainly had gained a great sense of, of yourself and, and other people. Um, what it is that you, you know, doesn't work to a degree or, and um, you know, I just knew, I, I mean, I, I can't say that I've really experienced love at first sight, truly prior to Erica. And now I know, I mean, she's the love of my life. And so you know, I don't know if you talk about soulmates or what your belief is about soulmates. Uh, it, it certainly is as, as close to that reality for me. And so, yeah, you know, it was just it was just an energy thing as well, I think, to answer your question. You know, I mean, I've talked about this before. And just because you were bringing up soulmates, um, you know, I believe that they're probably everybody that I've ever had some kind of where you were like, you know, seven, I I think mine is right around seven, where I've had like, long term committed relationships, their parents knew me, uh, she knew my parents, all those kinds of things, right? It was, it was not just we went out on a date kind of thing. Um, I think all of those people were on the branch of soulmate ish. In other words, I think there's lots of people that we can have great pairings with that would be meaningful this is a kabbalistic this is yeah this comes from a a, a kabbalistic uh, principle i'm not going to bore you with the with what all that means but uh basically what it suggests for me is that you know i I think that sometimes you get the one and then there are times where you get people that will lead you along your path from where you may need to be so i would probably argue that six of those seven were 
were women, while not right for the long term, for the forever kind of thing, right. uh, they probably played a significant role in allowing you to be the kind of man that you could be with for your now soulmate forever woman. Right. Yeah, no, that's absolutely true. I think for all of us, right, no substitute for experience to say the least. And, you know, all those relationships, all those trials and tribulations that, as to why there were six previous and, you know, they're, you know, they're not still going. Um, you just learn along the way and and they, you know, they've all prepared me for what I now enjoy. Yeah. That, and by the way, I think that's an incredibly like, you know, when I look back, uh, you know, when I was in my 20s and I'd look back at relationships or women who rejected me. Um, I was very much like, I hate them. They're the worst and they should whatever. Right. And now I look back like, Oh, right. No, they helped me. They helped me in, in ways that were really quite, um, quite really remarkable. So anyway, I apologize for interrupting. And I think Morgana had a thought. Yeah. yeah um, what made Erica different? Uh, you know, I just want to acknowledge, you know, you know, Devin, like you say, you know, you always start out in these relationships that become long-term like they're a soulmate and, you know, but do they endure and why do they endure? You know, honestly, I think stability and compatibility have a lot to do with everything. If I look back at my other relationships, which really are, you know, relevant to the answer to your question, Morgana, you know, uh, you know, certainly earlier in life, you know, as I go through, you know, in, in, in my twenties, um, the first one just ended up being, you know, somewhat turbulent. I found out later that, um, she, uh, you know, had an addiction that I was unaware of, uh, that was that part of that equation at the time I didn't know. And then another one was like cultural differences. She was, um, old, old world Irish, and, uh, you know, we made it work for a while, but just for the long term, it just wasn't it wasn't going to happen. Uh, my first wife. Um, and, you know, obviously, you know, uh, thankful for for my son, Jake, um, you know, this is a four and a half year relationship. But there was there was there was contempt in the relationship after a period of time. And a lot of that had to do with keeping a scorecard, which is not my thing. I mean, scorecards are relationship killers. So, yeah. uh, you know, that that's certainly just, some, you know, some advice I'm, I'm, I'm weaving in. I'm you know, still working my way to the answer to your question. And on the after that, uh, the next person I met was maybe a little bit of a rebound. And it was one of those things where maybe love wasn't there so easily. And I felt, well, maybe love can grow. Maybe it can, but it didn't. And so after, you know, a year and a half and, you know, just nice times together. It was like this, you know, we're not here to be comfortable with one another. We need to, to move on. The next one, um, which was, you know, I was really very head over heels um, was very erratic and there was a lot of insecurity there and in particular jealousy for no reason. So we were, I mean, I have, there's no reason to be jealous of me, <laughs> you know, or having to be like, I don't look at other women. I'm very respectful, very old, somewhat old world chivalrous, um, honorable. I mean, I just, you know, I'm not a player. And, um, and yet that was still there, which was, you know, rooted in her insecurity. So to have those phantom arguments over, you know, the jealousies or insecurities just wasn't sustainable. And then um, 
I had a relationship after that, and right, the years add up, Morgana. I'm just gonna say um, that that it was like six years. And by the way, all all of these uh, women, um, all single moms. It was always important to me, just as a single dad, that I only wanted to date single parents. Mm. So, you know, when I put my match you know, profile qualifications, who I'm looking for. I just felt that there was too much of a, of a discrepancy in life priority for people who didn't have kids. So I, I knew that, that going in. Um, and I was engaged to the, the, you know, the, the person uh, before Erica. And, and, and I want to pause for a second for like all the single parents out there who have decided that nobody will ever want you because you're a single parent. Listen to Matt. There And you're not the first man that I've met who actually wanted someone who was already a mother because it tells you so much. Knowing how Devin is with his daughter told me so much about who he is as a human being. Right. Right. So not something to step over. Thank you for sharing that. Keep yeah, going. of course. I mean, you know, just I don't know that I learned that right away, but it didn't take long. You know, in terms of what what relationships matter to me and just just life priorities and and how we spend our time together and and, you know, all of the above. And, you know, Jake is, you know, he's an only. So that also is, you know, changes the, the dynamic as well. It's not, you know, easy for him to be occupy himself in that regard. And that's a minor point. But um, insecurity was also part of that last relationship before Erica um, and alcohol was an issue. She's a functional alcoholic. So it's like, it wasn't something that was so devastating that she couldn't do her job, but there were definitely, you know, incidences that, and look, I'm not perfect. Okay. I I can easily sit here and tell you what was wrong on the other side of the relationship. Um, But, you know, we're all just kind of, you know, working on ourselves. I, I didn't, I didn't experience that with Erica, you know, Erica kind of came in as her full self. Um, she, uh, she was, she's a veteran. She was a counterintelligence agent wow. uh, in the army. So the joke there is that I agree with her a lot. I'm not sure why. Um, <laughs> so, you know, that, uh, that always is that helped. her laughing in the background? No, she's not here. No, she's, oh. um, okay. Yeah, no, no, no one. I think that was me laughing. Yeah, I think okay. that was Devin. Yeah, <laughs> um, and uh, and and yeah. So you know, it's it, there's some. You know, she just came in as a as just a, a whole. We were two whole people coming together. There was no, you know, I, there's no one thing. You know, it's but I can say certainly no codependency was there or anything of that nature. And um, it's we we just fit. You know, right away, it just it, it, it's it's hard to articulate beyond that. You know, I I and I've talked about it many times in this this on this show that I I've had really one friend of mine who uh, had that experience that you're sort of describing or having challenges describing because I think that's what it is is right. that he turned around he was at the bank. He wasn't dating anybody. He wasn't interested in dating anybody. He was at the bank. He turned around and the woman behind him, he was like, oh, that's that's my wife. And now they've been together for 17 years. They have two kids. They have a great relationship. And they're just it's just that it's just that. And when I've said, dude, well, what is that? He's like, yeah, I I don't know. But it just was. 
yeah. just was, you know. I mean, I mean there's, there's certainly an energy component here, right? I mean, I know that you guys are very conscientious about it and, and aware and, you know, being aware of, of our own energy and that energy consciousness, but there's also how we affect one another energetically. And so the, so the, the energy match, I think, had a lot to do with it as well. How did you become the person? who was capable of attracting and being in this relationship as opposed to the person who was in all those relationships before? That's a good question. My, my, my initial reaction is, I don't know. I've always been who I am. I was that person in those relationships too. There just wasn't the compatibility for the different reasons, mm-hmm. but certainly growing up a lot over the years, um, you know, the emotional intelligence that kind of comes with, with the relationships as well. And, you know, being able to stay above things that maybe cause friction in prior relationships that maybe I just didn't have the experience um, and emotional intelligence to um, handle as well. But I'm, I'm, I feel like I'm reaching honestly a little bit with my answer here. The reason I asked is because I know that you, you know, you describe yourself as a well-being advocate. And I also know, and I didn't say this earlier, that you have a stated mission to enrich the happiness of at least 1 million people. Happiness of over 100 million. Oh, I'm sorry. I don't even know what I said. Okay. Sorry. Sorry. 100 million people. Yeah. Um, So what have you learned that can help other people? Well, I mean, a lot other life experience goes into that beyond relationships. And so you, you may have shared um, around my first book in Zisms, which I was compelled to write based on very specific experiences. Mainly, um, I grew up as a, um, a, you know, as an, you know, an athlete. I'm still an ice hockey player and I was I played for Team USA um, I was captain of uh, Temple University, and you know that was always an experience that that shaped me in its its own way. And by the way, it wasn't the Miracle on Ice Team USA. I was just in that system, um, representing the the country on on European um, uh, tournaments and things like that. But um, depression, you know, is something that certainly has been a defining part. Uh, my dad was bipolar. My mom was a depressive. Uh, I lost my brother, Dave, in 2012 um, as well. And, you know, I've had to contend with with it in, in managing, you know, my own. Um, my mom, it sounds kind of odd to just kind of give the laundry list here, right, of the major life events that come into play, but they all intersect. Um, and she tragically um, contracted HIV in a routine blood transfusion in the early 80s. And uh, it was just in the worst possible situation and seeing her, you know, as a caregiver, you know, through those years, uh, you know, nothing like that, that life experience just to go through that. And, and, you know, that being as harrowing, uh, you know, as, as it is. And of course, single dad, entrepreneur, nonprofit founder, like I said, we're going to, you know, the years just, they kind of add up. And so all of these, life experiences just as for anybody you know put me in a in, in just a, a a point in life having just 
been through i think i've been through yeah everybody goes through a lot of things i feel like i've been through you know a little bit you know i'm on whatever the spectrum is of being through things i'm i think i'm on the far side of it so uh you know that that just strengthens you along the way there's an unfortunate tendency in the personal development industry and some spiritual circles to kind of shame and marginalize those really dark nights of the soul. But I also believe that they are sacred or they wouldn't happen. And they give you a capacity for compassion and holding the pain of others that you couldn't possibly have if you hadn't been there yourself. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I I think that, you know, one of the thoughts that comes to mind that I think applies to everybody in relationships and otherwise, and uh, just a foundational concept in and around earned confidence in that we've all been through everything that we have. We've, we've, We've overcome it. However, we have, even if, you know, even if now we're all going through certain challenges and we don't have the answers, we're survivors and we'll find those answers. And however difficult something might be now, experience tells us they won't always be that way. And so we have the earned confidence to know that we can deal with things in real time. And the, the how essential it is to be present as opposed to getting caught up in worry or anxiety or assumptions or anything having to do with uncertainties, you know, that's not, uh, it's not going to be productive to put our energy there. So the same thing applies, you know, to relationships and keeping them grounded. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I have to, I have to ask because I still have a broken coho in my mother's garage that I can't get rid of. You know what I'm talking about, right? What is yeah, it's a, a hockey stick? That's correct. <laughs> so, so, and and we used to because I'm from Southern California. We used to put up broken ping pong tables and make that sort of the the swing. You know what I mean around the the backboard, um, and then we would annihilate annihilate each other um, playing street hockey. Um, you know, obviously, you got to pretty much the the highest levels, I would argue probably the highest levels that you can get to in terms of uh, playing hockey. How do you think something like that um, enhanced or affected? Because I'm assuming you had a per- not only a love for hockey, but a very specific drive uh, to play at the, at the highest levels. Uh, how do you think that affected or perhaps was a detriment in your overall evolution of self because I needed to talk about hockey. I'm just saying, of course. Hey, Hey, you know, I'll, if I would, I would turn this entire conversation into hockey. I appreciate it. <laughs> Don't mind me. Go ahead. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm <laughs> no, happy to, you know, um, you know, to the point of, of the question, first of all, I, I never went pro. So um, uh, I'm certainly a, a dream of mine, but uh, did, you know, didn't get that far. Um, but I, I got pretty far and I, I think that, you know, I was, look, I grew up on it. Um, I'm in Philadelphia. So, you know, the flyers, the broad street bullies, for those who are familiar, you know, those were the years in the early seventies. I was actually born on the day the flyers played their first game. So, you know, there's a little bit of maybe predestination there. Um, one of the things that I think also really shaped me, um, early on is that uh, when I was eight, 
in one of my first summer clinics. And this is, you know, be, you know, antiquated equipment. There were no face cages or anything. I actually took a puck in the face, slap shot, uh, and broke my jaw in, in three places. I was, I was a mess. And, right. and my poor mom. I mean, if I think about my kids now, like if that happened to my kid. Um, and my, um, you know, Bobby Clark, who was the captain of the Flyers at that time, um, my parents arranged and, you know, he came and visited me in the hospital and had a conversation with him um, about the love of the game. And um, I wasn't I wasn't going to quit, but he certainly encouraged me not to. And I think that that lesson kind of, the you know, a little bit of the proverbial get back on the horse, you know, as it were. But um, that resilience, even at that young age, uh, taught me a lot. And, you know, I was I, I was captain of Temple. We were undefeated my senior year. I was captain junior and senior year. And so, you know, in that leadership role, um, it's just it's just a part of me. So I still play every Sunday. I still sub in for teams. And uh, uh, yeah, that's that's going to continue. Yeah. And, you know, just for for folks at home who are not familiar, basically a puck, to, a slap shot to the face is equivalent to being hit in the face with a brick going 100 miles an hour. It's like a no it's well, hockey is a no joke, physical, uh, demanding sport. Yeah, this is a 17 year old kid took the shot. I still easily recall it coming at me. (laughs) And you just can't get out of the way. No, no, it curved. But, you know, look, nonetheless, I mean, you know, so I drank through a straw for a summer, you know, it's, it's just like, it's just like anything in life. Um, it was a long time ago, but yeah, I mean, those are the kinds of experiences and just, you know, just being the guy who talks on the bench and the camaraderie of it. And just, you know, there's a culture to this, to a sport and to the game. And, you know, that's certainly a lot that, that shapes you there for sure. So your wife is a rock star. Like that counterintelligence stuff. And then she's, I believe, some like top of the tippy top in network marketing world, which is right, makes her an extreme outlier. So not only is she stunningly beautiful, getting three or four hundred applications, her like first venture out into online dating, but she's this super successful high achiever lady. And I know a lot of beautiful, successful, high earning women who are so frustrated in love and they are kind of looking for mirrors of themselves instead, instead of what I would say compliments. So like, they think that they need a husband who makes more than them, which is really hard when you're making multiple seven figures already. It it just makes the pool smaller. So I am speaking right now to all these high achieving women who are looking for their man and feeling really frustrated. What do you bring to the relationship that your wife needs? Let me tell you more about me. <laughs> no, you know, it's, it, you know, let me talk about, uh, you know, Erica is, uh, is a rock star and, uh, you know, she is somewhat of an outlier in, in, in that regard. Um, you know, if I may, you know, her, you know, Isagenix is, and a is, lot of, is the company. 
Well, and a lot of men are intimidated by a woman of that level of success. And, and it brings out not very nice aspects in men who are intimidated by that. But you were not like your cheerleader. I don't know. Were you? Oh, absolutely. Oh, I mean, okay. You know, for my part, you know, Erica was already doing this, before, you know, when I met her. And uh, um, I'd been running a nonprofit called the Internship Institute, which I founded in 2007. So I'm already coming at things from a nonprofit side. I'm not going to out earn you know, Erica, to begin with, uh, in that regard, uh, you know, running an organization, you know, off grants and what have you. Um, and, uh, and as you know, Morgana, you know, there's more to the story there in terms of, uh, you know, and we'll get to, uh, you know, what, what transpired in and around the nonprofit in relation to the pandemic, um, you know, which sidelined it. Um, you know, you mentioned something about the women that you're talk that we're talking to here, who limit themselves, who somehow feel that if, you know, being as successful as they are, that they only will match up with someone who is at least as so financially. And I, I think success uh, has different definitions and uh, I don't think they're all financial. And, and, you know, if, if somehow some way financial aside, certainly that's always a part of it. You can wake up and be in control of whatever you want to do on any given day that's success to me. Um, and so, you know, right. And, go ahead. Well, there's also very often the men and, to, and, and I'm sure this is true of women too, but I've noticed that very often the men who are best at the financial success have less emotional capacity. They, they, they've been focusing so much of their energy on like this expression of success or manhood or whatever that they, um, if the woman is also looking for emotional support and emotional intelligence and, and nurturing, maybe less likely to find it in those guys that she's searching for just an aside in my experience. Yeah, it's true. I mean, I think it, it's, it naturally comes back to to compatibility in terms of how one offsets the other. I mean, um, I'd like to think I'm a little bit of an outlier, you know, in, in certain regards as well. Um, I think you're right about, you know, again, just stereotypically, um, you know, if you over over emphasize one part of your life another about it's going to suffer you might not have the you know we talked a lot about the experiences that go into just being you know where and who we are in life um i think that the answer to your question is that it you know the women who are i think they're pigeonholing themselves i i think that you know to to broaden their you know what are those standards why have those standards uh you know, you're only limiting your own happiness if that's what that is. And, and, uh, you know, so, you know, try some other guys on for size, I guess is, is my reaction to that. I think the greatest gift of a woman being financially free is it makes her free to choose the best man instead of have to seek out the best pocketbook. And so Erica picked the best man for her. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, for her, the bar was low, <laughs> what she would say. <laughs> so, uh, but uh, yeah, I mean, just, 
you know, I was the first person she dated. It's just, it's to me, it's just, it's crazy that, you know, you go on match and have that kind of response that she got and it just worked out the way that it did. Um, but we do complement each other's, you know, very, very well. And I think that in, in the relationship, you know, one thing just from, uh, you know, what works for us, you know, we, we really have, we really have not had an argument as, as odd as, I don't know if that sounds odd or not. It's certainly odd in comparison to my first marriage. Uh, but, you know, look, I, I, I think that we're at a point where, you know, I, I talk about this in and around like swimming with the current. And who is the current in, in a certain regard? And, you know, the best way to, to reduce any friction is to not let that problem happen. And so, when we, you know, when you look at the relationship, really in a very practical, you know, domestic way, and you, you look at whose strengths are whose, our responsibilities in, in running our home and lives are pretty evenly divided. And we don't really cross over very much on who does what. And, um, or who at least is, you know, in, in you know, the, the driver's seat versus, you know, backing them up on things. And it's pretty, um, it just works well for us. You know, there's really not a lot to argue about, at least when it comes to the business of life. And I know it, you know, there are some in-betweens of things that neither of us like to do. Um, but, you know, I, you know, I know my departments in terms of, you know, stepping in and, you know, just handling, you know, she doesn't have the patience to deal with, um, you know, technical support and, uh, you know, service calls and things like that. It's just like, you know, when you need to step in for, right. You know, like that's Devin, Devin's job. Devin is, you know, you're a tech guy. Um, yeah. Her head will pop off three minutes into, you know, um, you know, dealing with an agent who doesn't know, what you know, and I just have all the patience um, in the world. And we're both. Devin like, doesn't relate to that yeah, at all. She's being facetious yeah oh, just facetious. yeah just for those at home yeah <laughs> so can we ask you about where zisms comes from and what was the inspiration and what you know what provoked you to that to that step sure the book itself more than the name right so uh, oh yeah i know of course what's the inspiration <laughs> behind the book so um, although the name may have a great story attached yeah and there is a story. I think it's too much of a digression, but there certainly is a story behind the name. And Zisms for, for you know, the subtitle of the book is Insights to Live By. So we're talking about life lessons and experiences, and um, it, it really spans areas of just mindset and self-discovery and things like around perception and earned confidence is chapter one, as you know, I already described it. And then when you get into well-being, so I speak about mood health and, and my experiences in and around depression um, self-kindness in and around winning the battle within being so essential. Uh, and then it gets into areas of also uh, reference energy consciousness, personal energy, uh, just kind of being a life athlete in and around those types of things. And then we get into law of attraction and uh, something called inevitability, which focuses on um, really self-belief in terms of achieving your, your big life goals and your, and your legacy. And, you know, my career work and, you know, with the nonprofit certainly also comes into play and it all comes together with a, um, you know, with kind of like a game plan, but the book is self-contained, like a book it's, it's limited as a book. So that's why as things have continued to evolve for me, I've now developed courses um, based on it, mainly the, uh, called the Zism's life upgrade. But the answer to your question, Devin, I think has a lot to do, like earned confidence, it really goes back to my mom. And in the, and in the later years, 
you know, when she was just, you know, it's just deteriorating and, and, you know, we thought you'd, you'd lose her. And so many people go through this in one way or another, but I, you go through the anguish of saying, you know, this is it. And, and then thank goodness, you know, she pulled through and, and recover. And after a few times that you're like, what am I doing to myself? I can't do this. I can't put myself through it. It's gotta be, you know, what will be, will be situation. And that's, that's really at the foundation of her confidence. You can only deal with things in real time and know that you can. And so over the years, and this was in my mid twenties, my mom's passed now over 25 years. It was just 25 years in, in, in March. And then, you know, the whole 12 or 13 years of seeing, you know, her going through all of that. Um, so it's served me well ever since. And there, there've just been certain concepts around or like, I didn't, in order to write the book, like I didn't, I didn't, I don't, I haven't read another personal development book for in quite some time. I hadn't really felt the need since probably my early thirties. So I, I really did it in a bubble, which is how I know that it's just different um, because it's based on these concepts that I don't really hear people talk about um, earned confidence being a primary one. And certainly um, just all the experience combined and the number of things that we mentioned um, you know, I, actually, I will say that I will say that I was between grants and, you know, Jake at that point was getting ready for college. So I was, you know, in a bit more of a transition at a at a, uh, you know, uh, a reflection point. And I, I asked I had some space and I was like, well, what would I regret not doing? Uh, I think that's really what the impetus was. And so for anybody who like, you know, now I talk to people about what, you know, about writing a book and it's like, Oh, I was going to write a book. A lot of people talk about that. Is it a book? Isn't a book? You know what? Just sit down for a weekend and bang it out. Well, you see what you've got and then show that to people and then you'll know. And so for me, it was like, okay, I did that. And I was like, yeah, there's something really fully formed here. And at first it was like, Oh, I got it. I did it. It was like, no, I'm not even close. And then like, you know, a year later, the thing's done. But I, at that point I was like, I'd, I'd almost come too far to turn back. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I just kept my head down and kept going. And yeah, you know, I, I, I like finish things. I start. Who is the book for? Yeah, I, I think the book is for, it, 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 it's more for, um, a, a when than it is a who I'll, I'll just say that because you really you have to be ready to to work on yourself number one and and and, and deal with these um you know the different topics that that i mentioned so if you are certainly in relationship aspects are part of it and um if you're in any kind of transition in life uh you know you really just have to be at that point like i really want to work on myself right i mean that's you know as a self-improvement book but primarily like from a marketing standpoint as i come out and say well i've got the book i got the courses you know who am i speaking to it's mostly i think women um who are in in you know 30 to 50 uh is uh is is i think you know in in the why why 30 to 50 women I think that I don't, first of all, I, I'm, I'm reticent to, you know, to stereotype. Uh, remember, I said this from a marketing standpoint, I have to choose, you know. <laughs> well, right. no, but I've I been think, there. I get it. Okay. So, I, but I, I actually think that's a very important period of life for a reason. Yeah. Yeah. So I want to hear why, what's going on for women between 30 and 50 that this speaks to. I think that number one, there's a certain, uh, and I can only speak from perception, 
being a man. Um, that there and, who and has it, known and lived with and loved women for a long yeah, time. It's, it's true, but I think that you know, look, you know, you come out of college, you know, you're in your early twenties. It's just a different part of life. You're not necessarily. You know, you're in the minority, I think, if you're, you know, ready to really dig into yourself at that point. I don't think you're ready. And I think that maybe people have to come through their 20s a little bit and go through some of the train wrecks that come as a result of their dysfunctions and the things that they're trying to work out through themselves where they're like, you know what, I really want something different. And so maybe 30 being that like, oh, you know, I, I think that's a trigger point for a lot of people and women, especially. Um, it's and, like that. Oh, maybe it's me period of time. Huh. Yeah, <laughs> I, I think, that, look, I mean, you, you know, I, I talk to my son about this all the time. I mean, you know, being, being a man is owning your shit. So, um, you know, I, I think people own up to that. Yeah, absolutely. And, and maybe by the time someone is 50, maybe they do have it, you know, I'm in my own, you know, Morgana, you and I were born in the same year um, that, that, they do feel as though they have a little bit more figured out. Mm-hmm. Hopefully they have it more figured out by, by their fifties. So well, we do. And if we don't, it's really, really obvious. Yeah. And it's certainly be our fault by then, you know, it's a little late to blame your parents. So, so you have, you have courses. I don't want to step over this cause we're, we're like running out of time, Yeah, but I think this is really important. So can you tell us about your course? Yes. Thank you. And we can't forget crazy, sexy, 100 right talked about yeah that. that's yeah that's we'll have a link in uh the show notes so that yes. if anybody wants to learn more we'll make right. that available but so what is this course so uh it's the the main course is called a life upgrade and it's just you know every you know putting everything that that you know i have into it uh to have the you know the maximum positive impact for people on all aspects of a lot of what we we talked about and really does start with self-discovery and mindset and really just getting you know to to get back in touch with yourself i don't know that uh especially you know back to that you know if you get to 30 you know have you really dug in have you do you really know what you want and and in and around yourself and you need that self-discovery uh as that foundation and it's a video-based course that also has some readings in it that are not too intensive but much of which is drawn from zisms um and and what is what is gonna pardon me for interrupting what is gonna change how is a person's life gonna change as a result of this course right um well just to just to add one more thing is that it's about an hour a day for 29 days and there are activities that are in there, there's 12 units um, in four modules in two days a unit. So that's and then you have, uh, you know, the, the review. Um, I, I think, you know, a number of ways, Morgana, uh, you know, number one, there's that whole self-discovery element. There, there's a shorter course called the Mindset Reset, which is just based on that first module around mm-hmm. self-discovery and, and mindset. And so getting that right just to begin with, just that's a, that's the foundation for, to, for getting everything else. Right. Absolutely. Uh, so uh, then I think when you get into the well being area, I don't really speak as much to nutrition or I'm not, you know, your, uh, you know, your uh, workout coach or anything of that nature. It really is more along the lines of mood health and speaking from, you know, that lived experience. Mm-hmm. Um, 
tools in and around defeating depression. I have a depression defeater in there uh, as well. So especially women and men who are going through depression, this could be really, Uh, really useful for. Right. Oh, absolutely. I mean, it's just one, it's one of 12 units, essentially, you know, trying Mm -hmm. to be comprehensive. I think the, uh, the energy management, I don't think people are as aware of energy as they could be. A lot of my life stories are interwoven in there just as anecdotes. You know, it's not, it's not, uh, you know, just to, you know, keep it certainly very, very interesting along the way. Um, but each one has all these PDF downloads that you're that that you're taking, you know, what was covered in the videos and and the readings, and then really putting it in action. I think you really that's what the book doesn't do, right? You, it just doesn't, you know. That's book oh, there's that. there's so much nuance in like your voice and the spoken word that you can't really get in a book. Right. Um, yeah, so it's like it's like your book, but in three D. Well, one of the other things that happened also is after the book and somewhat unexpectedly, I started my podcast. So I'm coming up on episode 60 now. So a lot of the book was was built in to be the audio book through those episodes. So so what's in the original book has continued to evolve um, in and around the whole happiness concept, um, which, by the way, is about having a reflex of, you know, extreme optimism uh, in real time. Right. It's being present. So um can help what happens to you can help how you you're in control of how you react. So that's really uh, more about the life skill. It's not meant to be the derivative derivative of happiness. So I, and I, and I've really, I don't want to step over that. I know we're coming towards the end of our time. That is like such a powerful statement that you live and, you know, maybe that's, that's your whole message there is because your living example that some horrible things happen and that's just part of the game and you can't control that. It's not your fault. It just happens, but it's how you respond to it and have a beautiful, happy life. Anyway, that's, that's the whole point, right? Absolutely. I, you know, I mean, look, depression aside, I just, maybe it's innate or my personality or just through learned life experience. I'm, I'm like relentlessly positive. I just, I just have that reflex um, for whatever's happening. Um, and it balances, you know, things out for my wife too. I know she, Erica appreciates uh, it. Sometimes, sometimes on the other side, she doesn't appreciate how positive I am about things, but that's okay. Cause I'm still positive about that. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but you know, you're positive going- people can be very annoying sometimes. Let me just put that out there. I do wake um, up happy. So the, so, you know, not to get into every detail and, you know, respectfully and, you know, thanking you for um, having me describe the course, you know, it takes you through that. It takes you through, you know, law of attraction uh, as well into the entrepreneurial side. But that last Mm -hmm. module is about um, livelihood alignment. And I bring a lot of the resources that I developed on the career side for people to, to put into action in their career transition. So careers is just a huge component in there, but ultimately you're going to walk away with this like life enrichment action plan. You know, 29 days is great for an hour a day, but then you gotta, you gotta, it's only, you know, that's, that's a commitment right there, you know, block out an hour, still a commitment. But then after you come out of that, you know, what do you carry forward and customizing what resonated um, to put that into further action is, you know, it's just as practical as I could make yeah. it. How much does your life matter to you? 
And maybe the course is 29 days, but what you're really offering is a life, like a life worth living. That sounds wonderful. Yeah, the life upgrade. You know, it's I just I mean, we're right there. I mean, it's it's four hundred and ninety seven dollars for everything, you know, right? And then um Morgana just as a just an appreciation as a thank you to, you know, everyone here um did a, a special gift code uh for crazy sexy one hundred to just take a hundred dollars off using that. So Wow, thank you. Uh, uh, well no, thank you, thank you. I, you know, but uh you know, we had a good laugh over that handle. Over, yeah. Over that. Yeah. So we will we will drop that code and all the links to your book and to your course and and your website so that everybody can learn more about you. Uh, I've loved having you on the show. Uh, I really um, get such a kick out of out of your happiness with Erica, the woman on Earth who's able to have a marriage of five years and no arguments. (laughs) I need to to tell me when she comes out with a counterintelligence course on, on how to win every argument. I I sign me up for that. (laughs) I mean, you know, I, I, Look, I mean, it's again, who's the current, you know, who has more, who has more to gain in any situation. And then you just, you know, we're above it. You know, you, you yield, you know, it's like yielding is better than fighting. But what I, but what I will say. Remember that Devin, yielding is better than fighting. I'll keep that. I'm going to take that, that, that pearl of wisdom and put it in my pocket. Yeah. I mean, look, it's, it's an energy management thing. I mean, do I really want to go through, you know, two days of, you know, or of not agree, you know what I mean? Okay. But you know, there's one more tip. If I could, I, I really would be remiss if I didn't say, given the topic of the show real fast. Go ahead. When, when people are meeting each other for the first time, your mind know how to miss been having these checklists. Uh, and to, to your point earlier, Morgana and, they're really for me, you know, I learned this a long time ago. There's only one checkbox that matters. And it's really about whether you're the energy side is somebody, is somebody drain you or do they feed you? Whatever that polarity is, however it is that you match up that energy connection matters almost more than anything. Um, And, you know, if they feed you, are they somebody who's going to, is it going to lead to something expansive as, as, as a man, as opposed to getting boxed in? which with regard a number of women tend to do. So, you know, do you support one another? Do you feed one another in life? And to me, if that's not there, nothing else is going to work well. A hundred percent. I agree with you so much. Thank you. That is, that is the perfect place to end. Thank you, Matt. And this has been another episode of crazy, sexy, midlife love. Thank you for listening to Crazy Sexy Midlife Love. Please sign up to join our free love family at CrazySexyMidlifeLove.com to get alerts to live shows, call in and ask questions, or just listen in. And ladies, don't forget to download Devin's free ebook, Women Are Smarter Than Men and Other Secrets Marriage-Minded Women Need to Know. Also available at crazy sexy midlife love.com